0: You are now listening to the Paper Cuts comic podcast with Dean DeFalco, Dan Ryan, Evan
1: Goldstein, and Matt Much. For the comic podcast with the most personality this side of the galaxy, it'll always be Paper Cuts. Over to you, Dan.
0: Thanks, announcer guy, and thank you for checking out the Paper Cuts podcast, issue 92. I am your host, Dan Ryan. Joining me this evening is Mr. Dean DeFalco. Where am I? Y- you're right there. Oh. I can see
2: you. Okay. Just a All little right. left of center.
0: Just Yeah, just a little left of center. And uh, also joining us this week, Mr. Matt Much. I am closer to center. You're very centered, I want to be actually. centered
1: now. How, how, like, hang on. I want to fix it. I, um, no. I can't. It's, that's worse. I'll break the, I'll break the
0: camera. Ah, it's so much worse. There we go. There. Okay. Oh, there, yeah, there he is. is. All right. This is great audio. I know. <laughs> it <laughs> really is. This is fucking riveting. Yeah. Absol- I am... It's real good. Literally riveted. I like to my it. seat. Oh, my the,
2: God. Do you need a doctor?
0: <laughs> I might. Well, we'll do the show first, and then we'll see how I'm
2: feeling. Did that hurt? Mm. Is this the new body piercing craze? It is. I hope Being not. Being riveted? <laughs> it terrible.
0: It I'm into it. I oh dig it. Oh, my God. This is... <laughs> not joining us this week is uh, Mr. Evan Goldstein, because he is uh, too busy planning Garden State Comic Fest, which you can check us out at uh, two days ago. By the time you hear this recording. So, wow. <laughs> we
2: we glad actually you were there. Said what he's actually doing.
0: Yeah. This time. Glad I can make up there. something. No, no. I'm glad everybody was there to see us at our panel at the uh, paper cuts. it's was great. Uh, paper that everybody hunt. came out. Oh, yeah, there man. were like 400 people awesome. there, man. And Todd awesome. Eastman went very... up after that, and then everyone we left. had room Todd for Eastman.
2: 32, 400 showed up. Oh, it was
0: great. I it, was, keep... uh, it was a very sexy audience. Very attractive audience. I keep uh, saying and that thing. Why yeah. do you keep saying Todd Eastman? I don't know. Oh, you didn't, I thought you said <laughs> that on purpose this time. I, I You I know what? So I was going to play it
2: off that way, and then I was like, uh, no. no. Look, you're giving mad cred to up and coming comic artist Todd Eastman, who has to live <laughs> in the shadow of Kevin Eastman's name, even though they're not even related. He's just trying his best. What if Todd he McFarlane and Kevin Eastman had a baby, though? What if they just did that? Well, why would that... they necessarily name him after one of the fathers? <laughs> Maybe they named him after one of us. Who knows? And in why the... would Who's McFarlane Todd? take Eastman's name?
0: I mean, <laughs> they'd hyphenate at <it> best. <laughs> no, God. Todd McFarlane is clearly the bitch in any relationship he's in. Wow. Ooh. Do we need to dig deeper? No, I don't think so. I think we should uh, we should end it there, but yes, uh, so all of that being said, thanks for coming out to the panel if you were there. I'm sure it was a great time as uh, we were Kevin Eastman, creator of the Ninja Turtles. Uh, we were his uh, panel fluffers, uh, for lack of a better term. We
2: were openers.
0: Yeah. Uh, well, yeah, I guess openers is a much better term than fluffer, but hey man, I digress. What a great guy.
1: Dude, we were the what main a- event. I don't know what you guys are talking about. People came out for us and definitely not Kevin Eastman. Kevin McFarland. <laughs> Kevin McFarlane. F that
0: guy. Anyway, so a uh, bunch of books came out this week. Uh, some really interesting things that, uh, that we read this week. One of them I unfortunately was not able to get to. So, gentlemen, why don't you tell me a little bit about 4001 AD Shadow Man number one. Once Invalid. upon a time,
1: there was a shadow and a man, and he walked around. The shadow followed him, and the end.
0: <laughs> the end. That... Also sounds incredibly riveting. That's not. Did we read the same Shadow Man? <laughs> Maybe not. Uh. Yeah. All right.
1: So I. I guess we could start with uh, who. Who did the book? Uh. Which I actually don't have in front of me. That is not on Jody, my listing. I Jody. Jody Hauser. Thank you. Um.
2: And yeah, it's written by Jody Hauser and Raffer Roberts. Mm-hmm. And drawn by Robert Gill.
1: I. All right. So. I, let, let's let's talk story a little bit because this this was an interesting one, right, Matt?
2: Yeah. Um, everything's taking place in f- the year four thousand and one A.D., and uh, the usual uh, valiant properties: Exo uh, Man of War, Kai, uh, what is it? Bloodshot. 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 Yeah. And Shadow Man are all uh, they all have versions in this future time period and uh, each series is part of a greater arc of what's happening in this far future uh, under the, uh, the terror-filled rule of the AI it? father or dad? What are they? I think they father. say father. Um, father. Yeah, which... father, I... which is controlling the continent-sized dragon, which is the nation of New Japan, orbiting the Earth, raining down broken pieces of its body as Father degrades and becomes rampant. And uh, the stories are just uh, what's going on while this is happening. So Shadow Man is in one of the last cities on Earth, and uh, it's a divided city between the living and the dead. At least that's Mm -hmm. what we're... Led to believe.
1: Yeah, it's it's the uh, the living side, which is called Gethsemane and the uh, the dead side just full of demons and uh, souls, uh, which I think is just called a uh, sanctuary. That's what it's called, sanctuary. And, oh, is that? The- oh, okay. Yeah, and um,
2: I got those confused. I got them reversed.
1: I'm I'm pretty sure that's what it was. I mean, you could correct me if uh if you see it, but. Um, th- it was it was interesting because uh, th- th- these towns have a like a, a relationship where whatever happened, yeah, wh- whatever happened in the past is the past between the uh, demons and the humans. The demons need the humans to live, and the humans need the demons to live because uh, they're all working off of this last power source, which requires souls to to keep going. Um, now, demons don't have souls because they're they're damned, and damned spirits don't have souls. So, you know, kind of a problem. So they made a pact with the humans that said, you know, if if you can give us sacrifices every year, we'll keep the power going for everyone because that's what we do. So, um. They they all agreed on that and it's been going on this way for a long 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 time.
2: Hundreds of years
1: until this new guy comes into power or I don't know if he he's in no he's in power named uh t, t what Trump uh let's let's see if we can find the name here I'm bad Trevor with
2: names uh no it, it's
1: it's a, know, it's a very go. odd it's name his uh, last name is Drub I think Tarly oh, Drub that's his name Tarly Drub um. Kinda of reminds me of Donald Trump a little bit.
2: Yep, <laughs> I okay. saw that too. He's just raising hell just because he's he's uh, waging a campaign of fear. Uh, they're saying the demons are just eating people, and they're raising power, and they're gonna come invade our side. And he's he's convincing the townspeople that this is going to happen and uh, with
0: with no evidence to support it correct zero evidence right Right.
1: his only evidence is the people that they're getting back from these sacrifices because while they are being sacrificed it seems like they're giving up a piece of themselves not everything so some people do come Mm -hmm. back and apparently they're really fucked up and i come back (laughs) hollow yeah so i that makes sense but The thing is they were willing to give them up and these people were willing to give themselves up so that they could, you know, make the greater good live on. Um, So he's saying that it's not worth it. You know, they could do this themselves. All they need is the power source and, you know, they'll be fine. So the next set of sacrifices that are going to go through, he, he gives them some weaponry and stuff and tells them what they need to do to, you know, fight on for the motherland and blah 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 and give us their our freedom back from the tyrannic rule of the demons. So they get through this portal now and uh, the sacrifices are kind of like, it's a little weird. Everyone's super, like all the demons are really nice. They're super thankful, you know, they every, everyone is just, they're, they're martyrs essentially so, and these demons know that. So they're about as thankful as everyone was on the other side for them. Um, so it kind of throws them off because they thought that, you know, all the demons are going to rise up one day and, you know, and uh, totally annihilate us. They're going to eat us and shit. They don't, they don't need us for power. They just need us for sustenance. it's totally not like that. Like the demons are basically just like the humans. They're about as fucked as they are. So (laughs) you, you, you start to figure that out and the sacrifices start to figure that out, but it's too late. They're going to go through with this plan no matter what. So they they start to mess shit up. They they grab this power source and everything, and which is
2: a dead hand. Yes,
1: it, it it's it's like something That's out of Evil unexplained. Dead. Unexplained. Yeah, um, we we don't nice. really know too much about it, but we just know that it. This is what's supplying the power source, and once they finally get it off this um this this altar, um, the the shadow man. This this is that what it is, Matt? Because I didn't read the original one.
2: Uh, I didn't read the original one either.
1: All right, so I'm gonna call this. this there was a name that they called. They it. called it a Lua. A Lua, okay. We, uh.
2: A sleeping guardian.
1: Yeah, and um, it it wakes up. It 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 wakes up because because the
2: sacrifices are stirring shit up. Yeah, and
1: you know <laughs> th- the demons are in danger, and their world is in danger. So this thing gets up and is like, well, it's time to fuck shit up. So it finds them, and it's it's like, all right, you know, you gotta you gotta hand it over, you gotta give it back. <laughs>
2: And the thing is, it demands to know what's going on, which triggers uh, Kaya, who's kind of, sort of the leader of the three sacrifices. I don't know, the most... Uh, She's the
1: most sentient, sentient of the three, because uh, the, yeah. the other two seem a bit more brainwashed.
2: One's, one's scared, and one's angry. So, and then there's Kaya, who realizes, like, this is an incredibly patient, metered... Entity that could have just killed us where we stand because it's like twenty feet tall and has a <laughs> spear or something. And he, she's like, you know, this is just this is the last bit of proof I need that these demons aren't really demons. They're not evil. They're just they're just people just like us. They just they're look just different. different. Yeah. And she says, oh well, you know, I guess we should you know this is this is our new understanding this they're they're okay we're just here to help each other and uh everything should be fine but then yeah and in, in this moment um part
1: of new japan rains yeah, down one of
2: the pieces that's been falling from orbit back to earth smashes the wall dividing the two cities
0: naturally just, and uh, you know, uh right on
2: target
1: yeah and they the, these these douchebags on the other side, the... The, the Trumps. Drub, yeah, Drub and his, his little army uh, kind of waltz in and start blowing away innocent people back in the town that they uh, started at, trying to get answers, finding magical artifacts and stuff, or trying to find them anyway. And most of the people are unaware, or most of the demons are unaware of, like, they don't know anything about that. They're just trying to live like everyone else. So they're killing innocents and everything and... Um, the, this this protector is like, well, sh- shit's going down. We got to get back. Well, he says he has to get back, and then the the kids, you know, try to to follow him. And uh, of course, I'm leaving some some things out, so you'll have a few surprises along the way. But yeah, um, there's
2: more details. There
1: there's more detail. Yeah, I'm but... I'm summing this up for uh you guys, so we don't spend all day on this. But yeah, so they they end up um running back in and uh, now they're on the side of the demons because they've been taken advantage of now and played played against uh, the demons who have done nothing wrong so now they're on that side and they're fighting back against the humans to try and uh, stem this tide of war and uh, Kaya you said her name was the uh, the main, main yeah. girl. Uh, a- after everything said and done Lewis kind of fucked up this army and everything Kaya sends them back through the portal and is like the uh what, what's the word I'm looking for the uh the, the standoff or uh, the the agreement the agreement stays as it is and uh the humans don't need to give any more sacrifices this lua will power it now we have this lua that will do it so leave us alone and uh drub doesn't really know what to do at this point so they back off um they go back through the portal, and the um, drub's like, "This better not have been for nothing, like you, you jackass." And uh, <laughs> the the general is like, "No, it wasn't." And he takes out this weird, ruined-up skull, and that's where the book leaves off. Is we don't know what the skull is, but we know something bad's probably gonna happen <laughs> now to the uh, demons, unfortunately. <laughs> and this Lua is gonna have to fight them off. But it, it was a really cool book, man. It was it was a it was a fun book, and uh it was it was paced well. The characters were well written and I guess it kinda has some social commentary too so yeah, it was uh it was
2: it was
0: good it it's a little heavy with social commentary, but it's okay well, and I think that's something that uh you're just going to find quite a bit as we uh go throughout the next couple of months here. Being in a political cycle here in the States, I, I don't know how many foreign listeners we have, but um, being in a, a presidential election cycle, and uh, owing to the fact that a lot of comic book creators and, and creative people in general tend to be fairly liberal, um, you're going to see quite a hefty amount of social commentary over the next couple of months. So, look you know. forward to it. Take it take it for what it's uh for what it's worth, you know, whether uh whether you like it or not, it's coming. So the only thing are we recommending only... this book? Yeah, I'd recommend yes. it.
2: The only thing is there's only four more books on the four thousand one AD checklist. So this I don't know when that skull's gonna come into play because it, there isn't another Shadow Man. So I don't
0: know. <laughs> perhaps in the uh perhaps well, in the know, main in the... arc could it, be yeah, yeah. in the main maybe book. they
1: just need to set it up
2: yeah but they're they're great i mean as someone who's never read a valiant book i think this 4001 ad arc has been a great place to jump in uh, i have no idea if there's like easter eggs everywhere that i'm supposed to be going nuts over because i've never <laughs> read their properties before but they're great characters now, so yeah. That's I mean, good.
1: I, I don't think there really is too much of that because I did read a bunch of the X O Manowar stuff uh, originally uh, when they did the restart, and that stuff was really good. Like, oh man, just top notch. And uh, when I got to the four thousand one stuff, I mean, it, it turned into Pacific Rim, which I'm not complaining about because I love nothing more than giant robots. So you know, I'm I'm down with it. It was just it was Except just super
2: maybe kaiju.
1: Yes, I do love that more. But um, I don't really think they have too many Easter eggs. I think they're just kind of moving on and trying to produce new stories instead of getting into a funk, uh, which I guess is a freedom that companies like Marvel and DC don't really get because you know they, they have their characters and they can't really deviate from them all that much. Um, because well no it's it's what we
0: talked about last week with Captain America of yes you can tell stories but at some point all the toys have to go back in the box for the next person to play with them
1: right something and, like that yeah and while Valiant does have notable characters like Bloodshot like Exo Man of War like Archer and Armstrong you can deviate and restart them because they don't have the same following that you know Superman or Captain America
0: does. Yeah, you're you're not getting a, a ton of people freaking out that uh Ivar Time Walker is not following its former continuity. <laughs> you
2: know <laughs> no, not I at can't all. believe that <laughs> decision. No,
0: <I> <laughs> yeah, like, that is so out of character for the Time Walker. Like and, and you're right, the Valiant books are really, really good. Like I don't I do not believe that they have put out a bad book since the company relaunched. I mean, some have been better than others, certainly, but None of them have been categorically unenjoyable, which is quite a feat for the amount of titles that they are currently publishing i I they, would agree and they did it really smart too. when they rebooted that universe they didn't They didn't come in and be like ah here's here's fifty goddamn books. Remember all the valued characters you liked? Have them all have all every single one of them." Right now, like There's they they five? took their time.
1: Yeah, they, they gave us the the strongest of them, and then you know when they felt maybe one story was lagging, they'd start up a different one. Like when uh we started seeing all this in uh, what was it called the the Harbinger Wars kind of come together, yeah. uh and oh, that's right. that was just becoming one story. They added in um uh saw that Woody happen. and uh Woody and God, what the fuck was the name of the book? Quantum and Woody. Quantum and Woody, yeah. Like they threw that in. That
0: was like Oh, is that Valiant? Yes.
2: Yep. Yes. Oh, I read a little bit of that. That was pretty good.
0: Yeah, Quantum and Woody was great. Um Bloodshot's really good. Ninjack is really fun. Ninjak was love, cool, yeah. I fucking love Ninjack. Ninjack's one of my favorites. But and always had been from like back in the day. There was this there's a really sweet Joe Casada uh ninjack I think cover or something like that that he did. It was oh it was fucking dope. It was really good, but anyway, I digress. So, buy this book is what yes, we're saying. Yes, buy
2: all the 4001 books. Buy 4001 of you. them. Buy 4001 of 4001.
0: Maybe uh, maybe don't do that. Maybe spread it around a bit, but, you know. You do you. <laughs> you do you, boo. All right, so jumping, uh, jumping off from that, we are going to... Uh, head over to the world of Hanna-Barbera, not for Future Quest, which we'll talk about in a minute, because that book, uh, spoilers, is dope as fuck. We are going to talk about the reboot of The Flintstones. Now, The Flintstones, as a property, owns the distinction of being the very first animated program to ever be aired in prime time. So... What that means is that The Flintstones was always uh, sort of considered a cartoon for adults. Much like The Simpsons and Family Guy are aired in prime time now, The Flintstones was that back Back in its day. Okay. Okay. So, that being said, this book bears almost no resemblance to The Flintstones. In so far as what I remember of them,
1: no, I'd have to agree with you. This this is not a a reproduction of anything old Flintstones related besides the names.
0: Right. This is this is Flintstones and really in name and setting only. Um, the book starts off with uh, with a crow Magnum Man in in a in a case where at the Museum of Natural History in the present day, uh, his name is Lorenzo, and he is frozen in fear. He's got a, uh, the pelt of, a, I guess, a bear or a fox or some shit up on his head and uh, looks like he is about to die, right? Looks, that, that, that's about where his life ended and where he was frozen, much like Captain America, in the ice, only to be discovered thousands of years later. We have a uh, a museum curator talking about Lorenzo and saying, you know, we don't really know uh, who he was or what he did, but he lived in this civilization that was older than anything we had ever thought in recorded history. There was a rock quarry and they built stone structures and it was a whole fucking town. And it was, look, it was right here on the edge of Bedrock Valley. Hmm, Could we be talking about Bedrock? Yes, indeed we are. We then jump back 100,000 years to the town of Bedrock. And uh, it is at this point where my interest in the book uh, started to take a turn. Um, So the second page is really where it started coming off the rails for me. Because this, uh, to me, this page perfectly sums up what I did not like about this book. It is so self-aware as opposed to trying to tell a story. It is... It is one big kind of tongue-in-cheek, wink-wink, nudge-nudge joke. Um, you can see that uh, some of the the stores that are here, instead of Sears and Roebuck, there's Spears and Roebuck. Get it? <laughs> Spears? Um, uh... There's, uh, there's the Outback Snake House. Um, Starbrook's Coffee. And uh playing at Plato's Cave uh movie theater is Tronk two instead of Tron Two. Like this and, and yeah, this is the, this is the visual jokes are unparalleled. Oof. The puns in this in this book are man they're everywhere. So and they're
2: rock solid.
0: <laughs> they are rock solid. Uh so pretty much what happens here is that we get um We get the story of three Cro-Magnum men being hired at Slate's quarry. Uh, Mr. Slate, very different than what I remember him in the cartoon. Here he seems kind of like, uh, well, an asshole, uh, quite honestly. And he's kind of uh, throwing his money around. Is that Mr. Slate-like? I don't really remember the Flintstone, or either of you, big Flintstones, like well, no, Mr. Mr. Slate was thing, always yeah. an
1: asshole. I mean, but he never really threw around his money. I think. Look, I, I'm, I'm gonna cut to the chase with how I feel about the book. Uh, it's, it's an update. Like they tried to to make this fit for this time. And I don't think it's a terrible book. I think that maybe people who thought they were going to get Hanna Barbera Flintstones aren't going to like it, but I I thought, I thought it was pretty good. And, uh, I mean, I'm going to let you cut back in. We
0: can keep going with the story. Yeah. Okay. So, um, Mr. Slate is kind of waving his money around and, uh, he, he tells Fred, you know, you got to, uh, i've just hired these crow magnum men you've got they they they're twice as strong as regular humans but they don't fucking know anything about money we're going to take advantage we're going to exploit the workers here um again some social commentary seem to be popping up um but we're going to exploit these guys i want them to work for me though you got to take them out you got to show them a good time take them to the fights uh take them to outback snake house and uh you know do the whole thing fred uh, ends up calling wilma She's doing some painting at the house. Uh, She's just hand printing some shit. I don't get modern art. It doesn't. But (laughs) later in the book, instead of modern art, it's prehistoric art. Get because prehistoric times. Get it? Did you catch the joke? Okay.
2: Why would they say that if it's their present?
0: I yeah. That's but get the joke because we're self-aware here. That's the thing. Um, Yes. So she's she's painting.
2: That's a theme. Yeah, she's look uh, how self aware we are.
0: She's painting uh Fred picks up Barney, they have a uh a meeting of uh war veterans because apparently Fred and Barney fought in the uh Paleolithic wars. Um they try yeah, to give a, some real It's not a generalist yeah, club anymore. Yeah, no, it's it's no. they <laughs> fought in the veterans. Yeah, they fought in the bedrock wars, that's what it was called. And, yeah, the the bedrock wars, right? They try to give some real gravitas to like what it costs to create a situation is Fred. There's one panel of, of, of a guy talking about how they, they set fire to the tree people's homes and all, there was just dead tree people everywhere. And he's fucking crying, like going through PTSD shit. Fred's like patting him on the back. And it's after that. It's dark. I I found it really jarring though, because that you have this scene where they go and they're talking to these veterans of this war. Um in, you know, a very real and and very uh, true-to-life kind of depiction of what soldiers go through. And then the very next panel is Fred turning around to his new buddy saying, "Eh, sorry about all that, we're going to go to the fights where the fun begins. I was like, uh, maybe, I don't know, maybe that's me reading too much into it, but that seemed an odd transition to go from talking about the the woes of a soldier to like let's go watch people punch each other in the face is that am i being am i being too harsh on this book no i mean is that weird i think they thought it would be a much more
1: smoother transition than it was and maybe the editors just looked at it so many times and they were like i i think it's good and i it's it's not it's it's kind of um a little insulting i guess to to veterans
0: right because- it's I, it's very insulting like I, to me anyway you know looking at that of you know sorry about that fucking guy i don't know what his problem is let's go to a, the ufc fight which is pretty much what they end up at at a madison square garden <laughs> you see it's another they don't uh, stop they really don't there's uh, there's some guys that are fighting in in the octagon uh, there's, there's some, you know, guys beating the shit out of each other. There there's an interview, uh, at the end with a guy giving thanks to Morp, who I suppose is their God. Okay. Voila, no, no, no all right. He just beat Re- is getting eaten by pterodactyls. Yeah. I was going to say that. Can
1: we rewind to look at him being <laughs> mercilessly eaten
0: by pterodactyls? Yeah. yeah that's a, That's apparently what happens. If you lose here, you get eaten. Um, I think then Morp we go to the, if I won Yeah, but no shit, right? All praise be to Morp. Um, we go over to, uh, Outback Snake House. There's a bison that's running on a treadmill that's making the air conditioner. Uh, fuck this. There's a lot that happens in this book. Mr. Slate gives, uh, there's a, there's a pool party at Mr. Slate's house. Everybody shows up there. Um, again, he's kind of being, uh, a dick about it. Uh, Betty or Wilma, Wilma gets her art into an art show. Uh, She goes dress shopping with Wilma. They go to Mr. Slate's pool party. Uh, Mr. Slate continues to be an asshole. Um, He's talking about, you got to try this new shit, ice cream. A turtle starts walking the ice cream out, and by the time he gets there, it's melted. That was fucking adorable, (laughs) man. (laughs) Philip is the best character. Philip was the best character. Philip the turtle. Uh, Mr. Slate offers money to uh, somebody to go kill a mammoth. And, uh, oh, look... I guess that's Lorenzo, because the glacier breaks, and into the ice they go, and there's Lorenzo uh, making scaredy face of about, you know, about to fucking die. Everybody leaves. They go to the art show the next day. Uh, There's a bunch of assholes at the art show making fun of Betty's paintings. And then they get, like, I mean, they're hipsters. You know, they're being just super big dicks. Um, One of them, like, this is... I was up I was going with the book. I was like, okay, I'm I'm not enjoying this, but at this point when we got to the art show and Wilma says, Oh look, it's Andy Warthog and then like three panels later there's a hipster caveman like with a beard and sunglasses and uh he asks somebody if if they mind if he vapes. I was like, Alright, oh, like yeah. for real, like, come on, man. What are, what are we doing? And the the art the hipster douchebags like dismiss Wilma's artwork and then she goes into this whole like tragic fucking backstory of Wilma of how we used to go on this hunt and like we would put handprints on the wall and not everybody came back but their handprints were still on the wall so like my artwork is out of handprints and people just see handprints but for me it's like my whole life and my whole like, holy shit like where is this coming from At, at the end of the day I don't know if um, I think Steve Pugh is the writer on this book. He's either the writer or the artist. I I don't know that that he uh, knows where he wants this book to go. It's like the comic, up, it's yeah. I, I it's the comic was, equivalent I'm of sorry, the funny. Yeah,
1: it's the comic equivalent of a Muppets we, reboot. I I think he was trying to yeah. find a happy medium, and he was probably getting lost in his own work because maybe he. I,
0: what is Sorry, he doing? Steve, well, when, when Steve Pugh is the writer, is the artist. Mark Russell is the writer.
1: Okay, so like, okay. when, oh. when I've written articles before, there there comes a point where I start writing and I start getting off topic onto something else, and then onto something else, and I'm like, this has nothing to do with like what I originally wanted. I'm pretty sure that's what happens to this guy because you have so many ideas rattling around in your head for what you want to do with the fucking Flintstones because, oh, my God, they're trying to make the Flintstones again. And y- yeah. you might end up with something like this. So I'm not going to write this off yet. Like, I don't – it wasn't a bad story. It was just – it was very all over the place because when they did try to bring it back to those sweet moments and, like, the, the – um. I, I I I guess the dark moments and stuff like I, I like I liked it and then they got silly again like they they have to commit one way or the other like you can have an issue where you're silly or an issue where you're serious but you probably shouldn't switch in between during like an issue.
0: You can't you can't go silly to serious like panel to panel no and then back yeah. and forth again yeah like, I I think ultimately looking at this book, and, and maybe it's unfair to compare them to the other um, Hanna-Barbera reboots that there have been so far, but Future Quest is awesome. Uh, Scooby-Doo is, is fucking really, really good, surprisingly. And even the the Wacky Raceland, while I didn't enjoy that book, it at least knew what it was. This book feels like the most desperate we had a bunch of half-baked ideas and we threw them all together in one thing. It's like, you know, somebody like me who can't cook. And I'm like, "Oh, look, a bunch of spices. People put spices in things to make food better. I'll put all of the spices well, in." All right, I mean, like the for all spice because well, fuck all spice. Uh, hang on. Just D- step back. There's just so much
1: here. Well, I I mean, it's So for for books like Wacky Raceland, for Scooby-Doo, for for Future Quest, those all have a point like you know wacky raceland was a cartoon about racing make the comic about racing um scooby-doo was a comic about detective shit put him on an adventure and um uh, future quest is all action you got johnny quest you got space ghost you got birdman fucking make a superhero book why not the flintstones is probably the most challenging one because it's it's a sitcom. You're you're making a comic book that was essentially a sitcom. That's yeah. difficult. And I
2: it's So now they're they're shooting for dramedy.
1: Yes, and while it's not perfect, I feel it it can be improved upon. Again, I don't think the book should be written off so quick, especially cuz it's a first issue.
0: Yeah. Well, I I will take that as a uh, as a buy from you, Matt. What are you saying? I
2: don't know, man. I I w I wouldn't buy it again, but sorry. <laughs> I you don't have to
1: apologize. I mean, your opinion's your opinion. I'm not saying you're wrong. It's just I I I we've we've always tried to judge these books on more than one issue. So while this one's not good, I I can't say to never
0: look at it again.
2: Yeah, I could give him one more.
0: And I, I think that's where I stand, too. Like, I would say maybe take a look at the next issue, see if some of the storytelling ideas or at least the direction of the book uh, settles down. The puns are probably here to stay, and I'm not a huge fan of those. It, it, it was just distracting and annoying. I, I felt think he used a all bit. of them. <laughs> I, I don't think so.
1: Dude, at the, I, at the very wrong, least, hopefully. we're going to get more Philip.
0: I hope so. Give him a book.
1: <laughs> Philip the turtle delivering
0: ice cream I love it so I, w- I would say maybe give it one more issue um, before you commit to this book it's just it's the problem that I I think we have we were talking about it on uh, the Stone Age gamer which you can catch every uh, Friday here on geekade.com um, we are so lousy with riches right now we were talking about it with how many video games there are to play and what we were doing with our backlog of games and here with comics there's so many titles out on the stands. I mean, can I really recommend this book over another? Not really, you know, I mean, not even to a diehard Flintstones fan, but we'll, we'll give it another issue and, uh, and we'll see where we go from there. But uh, keeping it with the Hanna-Barbera stuff, future quest issue two came out uh, this week. So again, written by Jeff Parker with art by uh, Evan Shanner and um, God damn it. I love this book. I am, I, am, I am on board. This was what kind of awesome. A hundred percent. Like, we start off with Space Ghost and the Herculoids fighting this Omicron thing. And, and poor Gloop. Poor Gloop. Like, four panels in, I was sitting on the couch next to my wife reading this, and I audibly was yelled out, Fuck! It ain't Gloop! And she looked at me like I was an asshole. Um... But it, for those of you who don't remember, Gloop is the, uh, the yellow. Gloopy Protoplasm? <laughs> Protoplasm. Thank you from the Herculoids. And, uh, Omnicron, like, it's. Omnicron is kind of like the Borg. It's kind of like this big collective. It and, assimilates and things. Everything. Yeah, yeah it, it assimilates it into its consciousness and all join Omnicron, all become one. And, like, Gloop is just part of Omnicron now. And I was fucking very upset about that. But the, uh,. The Herculoids are, are fighting. Um, Space Ghost is there with, uh, with Gravity Girl. Uh, they, they've apparently cut Omnicron in half, and as they're fighting, um, Omnicron is trying to go and create a, a black hole. So the Galaxy Trio is there. They're trying to prevent it. Well, what does, a dick.
1: And... Does Omnicron end up killing
0: most of the Herculoids? Uh, well, no, because Gloop is gone. But Xandor was there, Terra was there, um, and then most of the pets were still there, too. The, the Galaxy Trio looks to be dead, um, from what I can tell okay. here. Um, That's rough. And Tundro looks to be dead, but... Dude, that was uh, sad, man.
1: That was fucking
0: <laughs> sad. <laughs> like, Tundro goes and he's trying to protect um, protect the Herculoids and Igu from getting blown up by Omnicron creating this void and what we're getting in these first couple of pages is what, what would have been happening right before the end of issue one where Space Ghost shows up in the Florida Everglades. So as we're reading through here, um, Tara decides that she is going to go with Space Ghost into this void that opens up and she is going to help her friends fight Omnicron. And then boom, we jump over Space Ghost is fucking pointing his fist um, about to blast Ray, Haji, and Johnny Quest and uh, Ty, their new friend that they found in the Florida Everglades. The uh, With the, the hovercraft. <laughs> oh, yeah, on the hovercraft. Uh, they, they see the alien spaceship that crashed. It's uh, the, oh God, the Galaxy Twins. Is that Jason Janna with the monkey? Fuck, I forget the name already because they didn't say the name in here.
2: Jason Janna,
0: yeah, Jason Janna, the blonde girl that they find in the uh in the spaceship.
2: Oh yeah, I'm it's just Jana, and confused then, because that's also what they named Han and Leia's kids in the old extended universe.
0: Well, maybe that's why they did it. I don't know. That's could be. May, maybe I'm wrong. Anyway, um, but they find her in the spaceship, and as uh the monkey um and fuck I, re- I forget the monkey's name, but again, I read this ten minutes before the show started, so no research. Uh, the little monkey who's in the spacesuit shows up. Haji calms him down. Then the agents of fear show up. Race bandit jumps in straight murdering fools. Like he just fucking shoots dudes, swings in on a vine. It's badass. Um, the fucking dog bandit jumps in, starts biting these agents of fear. Like it's super action packed. All of a sudden the kids end up turning invisible because the little monkey uh, hits J- Janna's fucking uh, invisibility shield on her belt. They can't find anybody. Birdman shows up to join in the fight. And as all of this is going on, the uh, Doctor Quest and, um, and the bodyguards show up. They start kicking ass. There's this giant fight. And in the middle of all of this fight, Fear gets the spaceship that they were looking for. As the agents of Fear are running away, they're like, all right, sweet. We got the, we got the spacecraft. Let's get the fuck out of here. As they're running, they trip over Jace um, because he is still invisible. He's just buried in some mud. And uh, we go back to a lot of talking. They're trying to figure out, like, where these things are coming from. What are these voids? What are these vortexes? We see uh, Dr. Zinn making his evil, nefarious plan. And the book ends with Jezebel Jade showing up, getting ready to fucking go out and kick ass. And it's just like, oh, my, this book is like, it is like the best of pulp comics from back in the day, just all smushed together with love and beautifully drawn and well-written, and this book is incredible. Like, this is an homage done correct.
1: This is, I think, Hanna-Barbera's best foot forward in the DC Comics
0: world. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. This is the Hanna-Barbera Justice League. I mean, it really is. It's fucking great. Like, buy this book. Well, Absolutely 100% buy this book. Uh,
1: again, that, that's the thing that makes these titles special is that you can kind of do whatever the fuck you want with these characters because, like, uh, I, I don't know. Maybe this is DC's way of doing what Valiant can do where they can kind of make up an entirely new story because who the fuck remembers the old one? <laughs> <laughs>
0: it's a fair point. I mean, now, to be fair, I would argue, perhaps incorrectly, that the continuity of the space ghost stuff and the herculoid stuff while maybe not as readily known is a little bit more defined than what the valiant stuff was because valiant went through a lot of different owners and had properties but lost properties like magus uh, robot fighter and solar Man of the Atom, like, they used to be published by Valiant, but now they're published by Dynamite because they weren't their characters In to begin with. Like, there's a lot of stuff that went on. So there's there's some slip-slidey stuff with the Valiant universe that you can just kind of get away with. Right, but... Whereas if, if, if Hanna-Barbera is maybe a little bit more defined.
1: Right, but if, if you ask... I, you know, if I was still working at the comic book store and I were to ask... um. Some of the the younger readers, and I'm not talking about like you know 13, 14 year olds. I'm talking about like 20 somethings, you know, that were reading Batman and stuff, and they see this on the shelf, like, oh, you know who Space Ghost is, or do you know who the Herculoids are? They probably say no to Herculoids and remember Space Ghost from the uh, um... Coast to Coast, right? That yeah. that's yeah. What the, you know they that's they wouldn't. How, that's
2: the only way I know. Right, and those are the things really? that
1: they well yeah because I to be honest, if you have to be Pretty, pretty uh, at least three or four years older than me to remember them in the reruns that they were on in Cartoon Network because after that, they were on Boomerang for a bit, and then even Boomerang stopped showing them.
2: Mm. Harvey Birdman, attorney at law. Right, those are the mm-hmm. things
1: that people are going to remember. They're not going to remember this Birdman that's fucking going around kicking ass and taking names, I'll tell you that much. <laughs> so
2: It's uh, Jace, Jan, and Blip. Flip. There you go. Thank you.
1: So, I, I mean, th- th- this is a very welcome change because, you know, these characters... Or were a return to form. Yeah, because these characters were jokes for a while. And while they were they were cool and popular jokes, that's great. You know, we had the Brack Show. We had Space Ghost Coast to Coast. <laughs> we had Harvey Birdman. Uh, you know, th- those were all great things. But it's cool to see them in a more serious form again because they're awesome they got cool powers they got cool personalities and i i mean we can have totally original new adventures with stuff we've never seen before which is way cooler than seeing batman fight scarecrow for the 75th time in a row
0: right well i think so it brings up an important question too um and certainly one that uh, that we don't necessarily have time to answer tonight um because i think one it it's there's a much deeper conversation that goes around it, but two, it's kind of an ongoing question of does, at the end of the day, does continuity matter when it costs you good stories? Hmm. You know that was it was Joe Casada's argument for why they had Spider-Man make the deal with Mephisto to to save Aunt May's life, but at the cost of it was his marriage and all of that shit was because they felt they couldn't tell as good a Spider-Man stories with a married Peter Parker. He was better, you know, as, as, a, as a bachelor. And they didn't want to go through the whole mess of having him get divorced or killing off Mary Jane or all of that stuff. So they found a way around the continuity. But should continuity get in the way of a good story? Because make no mistake, they are... Absolutely altering the continuity of these hanna-Barbera characters by mushing them all together. Oh, the Herculoids man. and Space Ghost and Birdman never crossed paths in in their classic adventures,
1: right. But you know th- that's that's the thing. they're They're taking a property that would otherwise die and be gone forever um and and revitalizing it. You know, if there's not going to be the same problem if they kept doing with spider-man you know rather it would have been a much more uphill battle trying to get you know spider-man as a married man out there making good stories uh rather than um trying to make a separate birdman book or a separate space ghost book um going that way so i i mean I, i see what you're trying to get at and as a whole uh, continuity shouldn't matter, which it I obviously doesn't when we're talking about this. But, um, you know, I, I feel they they don't pay as much mind to something like this as far as, like, oh, you know, trying to be accurate to what it was rather than something like, again, Batman or Superman, where people are probably going to get a little upset if you start Poking around too much with the uh, story, which I mean, we even get a little upset when, you know, they, they start fussing with uh, the details on the heroes that we like so much. So I, I think most people, uh, in, including us, are just happy to see the characters being used again and, you know, not sitting on the shelf because, I, I mean, Hanna-Barbera doesn't really do very much in forms of cartoons anymore.
0: Uh, certainly not with these characters. No, and- no. And if I can they, get more space ghosts in an my Annie? life, I'm happy. Right. You know. I mean, uh, so,
1: y- you guys keep talking. I'm I'm going to find out what Hanna-Barbera has been doing on
0: television. Yes. Well, now now <laughs> I'm just I uh, now I'm just curious. No, no, it's okay. Um so I mean th- this book is a definite buy it from me. Oh, um, absolutely. Matt love it.
2: Again, to me, this is I mean, obviously, they are not new properties, and I've seen only the parody shows. But this is as good as new material. One, because it's got basically a brand new continuity they're spawning, and two, they're they're still good characters, and they're they're written well. It's new stuff to me, and it's welcome.
0: Which is, I I think that's the most telling thing for you know, but for me. I'm I'm a little bit older than than you are, so. Space Ghost and the Herculoids and all of this, all of that stuff. Like I remember that when I was a little kid, you know, staying home from school, I would see that stuff on, you know, on TV and, and Evan, who is so much older than all of us. I mean, he was there you know, for the original <laughs> runs. Yeah, in the 1950s. It. Yeah, he was, he was <laughs> the there. The 1950s when, when George Reeves was Superman and men were men, yes. goddammit. Yeah, it.
1: Evan, Evan has a lot of hair on his chest, and it's, it's, <laughs> yeah, it's great. Um, Hanna-Barbera's last thing that they did uh, was for Cartoon Network, and it was the Powerpuff
2: Girls. Oh, that I didn't know it was them. That makes sense, yeah.
0: Yeah, their they're core characters, like the identifiable Hanna-Barbera stuff, even going beyond. Oh, what long we're gone. At I mean, here, but I, I'd have to go back. There hasn't bit. been a new Droopy Dog, anything in quite some time, or Quick Draw McGraw. That's or-
2: that's the next reboot series. They're gonna see how these four go, and then they're gonna bring back Droopy Dog and. Yeah,
0: bring, I, I mean the last. Uh, bring back Underdog. Yeah, the the, rape the, a- yeah. the
1: last Droopy Dog thing was Droopy Master Detective in '93. <laughs> so. Jesus
0: Christ you look that up that quick no well because well, I, wow. I was
1: in their, their timeline for you know what they did from the 50s to now and it, mm. it says everything I did not know Space Ghost was on for uh
0: 14 years yeah Space Ghost is fucking what Space Ghost mm-hmm. has a huge huge following oh I love I mean, Space for, Ghost yeah for a time Space Ghost was up there with Superman like, is as this... far as identifiable superhero characters are concerned. Does
2: this still hold up? Like, if you, if you track this stuff down, is it watchable? Coast to Coast? No.
1: Oh, no, no, um, no. That, that's the one I'm talking about. Um, oh, you're talking about yeah.
2: Coast to Coast was on for 14 years? 14 are you kidding?
1: 14 years. Nope, nope. Uh, Let me, what? Let me see if I could find the original Space
0: Ghost, which...
2: What, did they have, like, five-episode seasons, or...?
0: Well, pretty much, but I, if you go back and find the original Space Ghost cartoons... I think they hold up. Now, my, my opinion of that is colored by nostalgia to a certain amount, but I think they hold up as well as, you know, anything from the, the 70s holds up. Well, yeah, I was going to say, because
1: these are the same dudes that did the Super Friends, so don't expect the greatest animation on Earth.
2: <laughs> it's not all gold. Mm-mm.
1: You know, I, I t- to be honest, the seventies for Hanna Barbera was probably when they hit their their biggest um, draw because you had just massive things coming out, and I mean, a lot of them were just the uh, those Scooby Doo rip offs, like you had. Well, uh, oh, what was the one with the the shark and uh, all of them? I forget what the fuck it was called. There was one with the shark and a bunch of kids. Then there was one with a horse and a bunch of kids. Then there was Scooby-Doo, which was a dog and a bunch of kids. They just had animals and a bunch of
0: kids, like for seven different TV shows. The uh, oh, the shark with a bunch of kids. God damn it! Is
2: that the, the shark that said nyuck nyuck? That one. Yeah,
0: yeah, that's him. Yeah, he was a that's shit dick. Him. I hated him.
2: I only <laughs> I only <laughs> know him from uh, Harvey Birdman.
0: Oh God! Fuck oh that God. shark!
1: God. Jabberjaw. God, oh, fucking perfect name for a shitty ass character. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, and fucking give me, uh, give me some more Captain Caveman. Captain Caveman. I don't even, Fuck I yeah. don't even
2: know what that is. Uh,
0: he was, you, he was something. You are in man, for a treat, sir. Yeah. You, your homework for this week, Matt, is to go back <laughs> and and research some old '70s Hanna Barbera stuff. There's oh, okay. Yeah, I
2: know there. who that guy is. I didn't know his name,
0: Captain Caveman. Oh, and give me some Hong Kong fooey! Goddamn! All right, I'm gonna stop falling down the uh, the Wikipedia it's rabbit uh, hole, and we're it, gonna. It, I, I <laughs> we're was just gonna, gonna say, to our last. It's book. Uh,
1: it's, it's pretty interesting because uh, Space Ghost's original run was only a two years, and the Johnny the original Johnny Quest run was only a year.
0: I was never a huge Johnny Quest fan. No, neither was I, like I, I but I mean, I'm, I'm then... happy
1: he's here. I'm happy he's doing stuff.
0: I enjoyed. So, all his right, so last this reboot. Book.
1: I didn't did watch they, it. What did they call that? The new uh, adventures of Johnny Quest.
0: It's on oh, here. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Quest Fest.
1: Quest <laughs> <laughs> Fest should be called. No, I see. Quest yeah, yeah. Fest. Yeah. Wow, I need one.
0: All right. So, speaking of continuity and continuity, be damned. Moon Knight number four. Yeah.
2: <laughs> Jeff Lemire, yeah. Greg
0: Smallwood, Jordy Belair. Um, yeah. What are we doing, whole, guys? Holy shit! I have no idea. What oh. like where we last left uh, Mark Spector and the rest of the escapees from the mental hospital, we had popped out of a manhole cover in New York City. Uh, New York City that was in the midst of a sandstorm with a giant fucking pyramid in it. Um, as we pick up now, apparently it's not a sandstorm, it's rain. It's a sandworm. A cop, a, a cop shows up and Moon Knight gets into a fight with a cop, but Turns out the cop is not a cop, but it's Sobek, And uh, Sobeck ends up biting Frenchie in the fucking throat and, like, tearing his jugular out. So Frenchie's dead. Um, He's dead. Is, that sucks. He's dead. But as Frenchie dies, um, he starts to see everything being insane. He starts to see what Moon Knight is seeing, like New York City covered in sand. And Gina, the other lady that's with him, um, starts to see it too. and She says, you know, I, I see it. The the sand, it's getting deeper as as we're walking and what the fuck is going on. And as they're walking through New York City, carrying Marlene with them, they get to Gina's diner. Apparently Gina, in, before she was in the mental hospital, had a diner. And she's like, all right, well, sweet, let's take a break here. And, uh, you know, I know we're on a quest to like save the world and shit, but let's get a cup of coffee. Let's go into my diner. Uh, so they pop into the diner. She makes some pancakes. Um... And, uh, as she's making him pancakes, giving him coffee, goes to take a leak, as you do. And in the bathroom, sitting on one of the stalls, is, uh, He's like, bitch, uh, what
1: are you doing, motherfucker? (laughs)
0: He's like, he's got an incredibly great line in this book, is, tell me, Mark, did I choose poorly? Are you the more, are, uh, you know, the end is here, the hourglass fills with sand, and you waste precious time eating pancakes. Hell Yeah. Fuck yeah, dude, man. If it's the end of the world, I'm going out with a belly full of pancakes. Dude, he,
1: he straight up come calls fucking now. Mark a piece of fecal matter.
0: Yeah, he asks um, him if he needs to be flushed uh, down the toilet. And as he's in there talking to Conchu, uh he gets a knock on the door. Gina's like, uh, hey, you better come out here. And Marlene is awake. And apparently Marlene remembers everything. She remembers him being Moon Knight, the superhero Moon Knight. She remembers... The Stephen Grant uh, personality, the alter ego, the Playboy. Uh, she remembers being in love with Mark Specter and say, you know, saying, "I still love you," but I don't remember how we got into the hospital. Do you? Uh, his answer is no. They begin walking up the steps in the pyramid. Uh, so Knight, messed up. Yeah, Moon Knight gets hit in the face uh, with a boomerang, and uh, he looks up and you know, with the who, who could have done this to me? And standing on the steps is Superhero Moon Knight in the Moon Knight superhero costume with the cape and the hood and the whole thing. And uh, to be continued. What? Oh, fuck me.
2: Did not see that coming. I don't know about no. you. I didn't.
0: No. I I love this book. So I good. I have no idea what's going on. I. They can't keep it up for too much longer. I really don't think so. I know we said that last time we talked about it. I don't think they can keep up the uh, the twisty turny this much longer without giving some sort of like, okay, where does this exist in the overall world? But god damn it is is it an interesting ride and holy shit does this book look good? There's nothing else that looks like this book on the stands, man. That's I true. I mean buy it for that for that reason alone.
2: Come for the sta what, what are stated. your thoughts? I bought it for the Cracker Jacks. That's <laughs> true. That's true. The special Cracker Jack bundle. Only <laughs> six ninety nine. <laughs> Comes with a jumbo I, box, real prize, not a QR code.
0: <laughs> Cracker Jacks, like back in the day. No, I mean, am I am I crazy here that well, this book is
2: amazing? If you're crazy, we're all crazy because it's awesome.
0: Book is good. Yeah,
1: I I don't have complaints besides where are we going. Like I, you know, well, we're going. They're
2: a- focusing in a little more.
1: Are they, though? Like, because it's, it's been the same idea from the beginning that, you know, it he has to get out and stop Set from doing whatever the fuck he or she's going to do. And I I, I don't know where we're going, man. I It's on some weird fucking ride because we still don't know if this is in his head or not in his head because it keeps going back and forth. Like, I, he, obviously, like... He ripped off this cop's face and you know showed this alligator God, which I forget his name now but uh th- you know it's 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 kind of weird because it only seems oh, very it only weird. seems like people are seeing this when they're very scared or dying so is is mark is mark dying is he constantly in a state of fear are his eyes actually open is Concho a real thing is this all in his head like we I don't know, man. I I really don't fucking know. Is he literally just a crazy man from an insane asylum who thinks he's Moon Knight?
0: I don't know. I don't know. Or is he really fighting another Moon Knight? Egyptian gods, right?
1: Like, where are we drawing the line here? You know, this could go any way. Like, you know, it could turn out that superhero Moon Knight is beating the shit out of this guy who thinks he's Moon Knight and you know that's how like it could that that'd be fucking nuts you know it's where are we going with this we don't know it could go fucking anywhere and you're right they can't hold it up for much longer and also they can't just keep throwing our heads in different directions you know sooner or (laughs) later it's it's gonna have to you know dial in and we're gonna have to get the end
0: of this story (laughs) it's uh did you see in the in the letters column there's the cover for issue number five is uh, Mister Knight pulling off his human skin like as if it were a mask, and underneath of that mask is the Moon Knight mask. I did see that; that was pretty cool. <laughs> so badass! I have no idea what's going on in this book. I mean, as far as the storytelling is concerned, it's very well done, and they're they're telling the interesting thing I think about this, and and what Jeff Lemire has been able to do that I don't know. I don't know many writers that could pull this off they are telling a very straightforward story. It's just that that story happens to be very strange with a lot of, like, twists and turns to it. But at at its core, there seems to be a simple story here of Mr. Knight fighting the forces of these, like, crazy Egyptian gods. Yeah. Yeah. Like, so... It's, it's a simple story that is, at, at one point, straightforward and down a linear path, but is extremely complex and intricate as well, and that is a, a feat that Mr. Lemire should be uh, commended on. Absolutely. So, buy this book. It's a, it's a buy it from all three of us, and th- it doesn't matter what, you know, what it is, it, as long as it's got Moon Knight in the title, Evan would say buy it too, so... So there you go. Four books this week. Pretty interesting week of books. Um, I really am sad that I missed the Shadow Man book. But, you know, we've still got a couple more things to check out with with the 4001 AD coming up. So with that being said, announcer guy, tell us a couple things. Thank you, Dan! Attention listeners, did you know the Geekade crew are real people you can get in touch
1: with? Did you also know you can keep track of what comes out on the fabulous Geekade website without even visiting it? Did
0: you know that Dean irons his vest every hour on the hour to be prepared for anything? <laughs> Wait, really? Well, you can keep in touch with Geekade by following them on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, Twitch, and more. If that's not enough, you can also send them an email at mail at Be sure to check out the show notes to get all the links and more information on today's episode. Back to you, Dan! Thanks again, announcer guy. And once again, thank you for checking out the Paper Cuts podcast. We really do appreciate it. If you have a minute when you're done listening to the show, why don't you head on over to iTunes or Stitcher or wherever it is you find our fine podcast and leave us a rating and a review. It's the easiest way to get more eyes and ears on the show, and it's absolutely free of charge. If you want to get a hold of any of us, you can uh, always send us a mail at, uh, or an email at mail at geekaid.com. If you want to follow us individually or talk to us individually, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram. I am at GeekAidDan. You can follow Dean. Kimono underscore Vestlord. And you can follow Matt. GeekAde Matt. Join us again next week when we have a whole slew of new books to talk about with you, including an Asian Superman. Until that time, for Evan Goldstein, for Matt Much, for Dean DeFalco, and for Dan Ryan, I'm Dan Ryan.